0: You're listening to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. My name is Kim Ludeman, and I'm here to help facilitate conversations around what it means to step into your confidence so you can live the life you want, not the one you think you should. Join me as we talk about body and self-acceptance, nutrition, movement, and mindset so that you can uncover what dulls your sparkle so you can shine. With that, let's go to the show. friend. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for spending a part of your day with me. I know you have so many podcast choices, so many podcasts, and the fact that you have downloaded and listened to this episode means the world to me. And I just want you to know that I so value your time and your presence and the investment in yourself that you're making by listening to this show. So thank you so much. If you've enjoyed listening to the show, I want to encourage and ask you to head over to iTunes if you have access to it, maybe Stitcher if you're an Android user, and would you mind just leaving a review and rating the show? That would mean so much to me. By doing that, what you do is you help increase the reach of the show and spreading the mission of Captivatingly Confident and helping other people find inspiration and connection and light and direction for their lives. And that is so exciting. And thank you for being a part of that. It just means so much. In the last year, we've gotten so much good feedback about the show, and I'm so excited to see where it goes. This is episode 106, and It's only been a year. Well, just over a year. The show started in September of 2018, and it's November 2019, and I'm just pumped to see where it goes. So I encourage you, if there's an episode that you really resonate with, to text to a friend. Just one. I mean, I cannot tell you the number of times that people have sent me podcast episodes, and they've been life-changing. And you never know... What it could do for someone else. So if there's an episode that you're like, oh my gosh, this totally sounds like Sarah or Jessica or Molly or Kristen, send it to them. The worst thing that could happen is they don't listen, right? But you have done your part in sharing and in spreading this idea of being you bravely and lifting each other up. Oh. It's so exciting to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves, is it not? It is. I get so excited about it. Okay, I'm going to save announcements for the end of the episode because I really want to dive into this. And I want to talk about body acceptance. So when you think about accepting your body, I'm really curious, what comes up for you? Is it a feeling of fear? of anger, of resentment, of judgment. Like what comes up for you? For a lot of the women that I've talked to, the idea of body acceptance, one, feels completely out of reach. How could I accept my body as it is? It's it's unhealthy. It doesn't look good. I can't move as well as I want to. I can't. I, I, I can't. There's no way that I can accept it. And I think that part of that is because there's a misconception about body acceptance and what it really means and how it can really be lived out. I think that there's a lot of trauma around this idea of, well, if I accept my body as it is, then I'm releasing the need to change it. I'm just going to go crazy. Like, I'm going to end up at McDonald's every single day eating those french fries. I'm going to gain so much weight. I'm going to let myself go. Just a lot of fear and anxiety around this idea. But what I want to propose to you today is that acceptance does not have to equal letting yourself go. It doesn't mean that you just give up. It doesn't mean that you failed. It doesn't mean that you're a quitter. And that acceptance is actually one of the most freeing things that you can do for yourself. So when we talk about acceptance, we're actually talking about kind of a paradox. It's that we can't change who we are until we accept ourselves the way we are, if that makes sense. So in essence, when that comes to body acceptance, you can't make the changes that you want to make especially in regard to like health, you can't make the changes that you wanna make until you accept what you're working with and you stop trying to fight it and changing it from a place of scarcity, a place of frustration or place of hating, especially if you really get critical of your body. If you're trying to make the changes that you wanna make from a place of criticism, the changes that you make won't stick. If you're trying to control your body, The changes that you're trying to make won't won't last because you have specific beliefs about your body, and those beliefs result in thoughts. So what you believe about your body is what you're going to think about your body, and those thoughts cause an emotion inside of you. You get feelings about those thoughts, and based on your feelings, you are going to act. You can react or you can respond. And your response or your reaction is going to give you a result. This is the pattern of behavior. And cognitive behavioral therapists or CBT therapists use this model to help people make the changes that they want to make. And you have to kind of wrap your mind around it. I use acronyms because I love them. <laughs> so I use the acronym BEAR. And BEAR should actually be... To bear, because <laughs> but we're going to put beliefs slash thoughts, what you believe and what you think about, B, result in a emotion, E, right, and how you feel about your emotion, gives you an action, A, which leads you to a result, R, bear, or bater, <laughs> whichever way you want to use it, and as you wrap your mind around this concept, this behavior model, you can start to see where you get stuck and where some pitfalls are. And a lot of times we are sold this idea that you just have to change your habit. You have bad habits, just change your habits, and you'll get a different result. But the problem is, is that if you don't change the belief, changing the habit is not going to be effective. It might be a short term solution, but not a long term one. Why? because you're not changing the beliefs and the thoughts that you have about it. I mean, you could even change your thoughts if you're like, okay, I'm going to start meditating and I'm going to do that because I know that it's good for me. But if your belief is that you're not worthy of time and if you're not worthy of investing time, of taking rest, taking space for yourself, then the thoughts and the actions aren't going to be sustainable. Or maybe they are, but they're not going to be as effective. What really needs to shift is your beliefs about yourself. And so that leads directly into our bodies. What do you believe about your body? And this is why I love the shoulds, because the shoulds help us to see what we believe. They help us to become more cognizant or aware of even the subconscious beliefs that we carry. And what have you believed about your body? Do you remember a time in your life when you felt really confident in your body? When you were like, yeah, this body right here, I got it going on. Maybe you were like five and you were wearing a princess dress or you were wearing a fireman's outfit or maybe you were dressing up like a pirate, who knows, but maybe that's the last time you felt good in your body. And as you've gotten older, you've picked up different shoulds, which shoulds are the beliefs and the stories about how we're supposed to engage with the world. And they sound like I have to, I shouldn't, or I should, I can or I can't, I have to, I'm supposed to, I need to. These are these are different beliefs that we have. And so becoming aware of those is the first Step, embody acceptance. You cannot change what you are not aware of. And that's another reason why changing habits or changing the actions is not going to give you long term success because you're not changing what the core issue is. And you have to look at what some of those shoulds are. And if you go to my website, captivatinglyconfident.com, You can find right on the homepage, there's a link to get my free guide, which is called Stop Shoulding on Yourself. And it's all about walking you through the process of becoming aware of your shoulds. And you can have shoulds about anything. You have shoulds about anything. You have 60,000 thoughts a day on average. And I'm going to say that at least 25% of those thoughts are shoulds. It's probably a higher statistic. I made that up based on what I've seen of other people, and it depends on who you are. For me, when I first learned about the shoulds 10 years ago, it was more like 90% of my day was spent thinking about the things that I should be doing and how I should be better and all of that, and it included body thoughts. And believing that my body was not enough as it was and that it needed to be different. And if you have this belief, this core belief that your body is not acceptable, good enough as it is right now, then you are going to be always searching for something to do differently. You're always going to be looking for the next diet, the next health trend, the next. The next, the next. You will always be searching and you will never be satisfied. I did a post on Facebook today about my definition of healthy and how that has morphed and changed over the years based on what I've experienced, especially working as a personal trainer and nutrition coach for so many years, for the better, more than a decade now, and looking and seeing how our bodies impact so much. We obsess about our bodies. We are obsessed as a culture about our bodies, especially in the United States. And it's problematic because so much of our body affects our internal feelings as well. And that's why body acceptance is so important. This is critical and foundational for making the changes that you want to make internally. And so, I want to walk you through what what this process looks like. It's not so much just like, okay, I'm aware and I accept. Yay, everything's great. Oh, I wish it was that easy. But it's not. It's not that easy. It's not simple. It's something that can take a lot of time or it can take no time at all. It totally depends on you and what the beliefs that you have about your body are. So, the first step like I already mentioned is Awareness. How do you become aware of your body? Well, you get to become aware of it by connecting to it, by seeing it, experiencing it, feeling it, touching it, looking at it, by standing in front of the mirror and practicing neutrality, not judging, but not praising, not looking for the silver lining and not condemning just being neutral Switzerland to your body. <laughs> just try this and see what comes up for you. If naked is too much, then start with your clothes on, stand in front of your mirror and just observe. Become aware. Become familiar. Because that familiarity in the future is going to breed acceptance and appreciation. But you got to start with neutrality. Get to a place where you are absent of judgment and expectation and desire to change. Like just be present with your body. Uh, Danielle Savory was on the podcast a few episodes ago when we were talking about sex, and Danielle has this great exercise that she does with her clients to get them back in their bodies. And it's I think she called it head defeat or feet to ground. It was something to do with feet, but essentially just doing like a body scan just throughout the day, checking in with yourself. Where is my body in time and space? How am I standing? How am I feeling physically? Like not emotionally, not mentally, but like physically what's happening for me. It's really easy to detach from your body when your body causes you a lot of grief. Whether that's because of stored trauma, which gets stored physiologically in the body, especially in the hips, a lot of trauma gets stored there, family issues. Whether that's a lot of years of mistrusting your body, especially if you have an eating disorder or disordered eating patterns, that can be really hard to trust yourself. And so it's easier to dissociate from your physical body, right, by... Tuning out hunger and fullness signals and eating according to a timeline or a diet. It's easy to stuff feelings this way, to distance ourselves from our emotions. It's easier to do that. And so to step back into your body means that you might begin to experience some emotional discomfort because emotions are stored in the body. That's energy in the body. And so when you have a lot of that that's repressed, sometimes the act of getting back into your body can bring up some of those emotions. And there's a grief that has to happen. And grieving is a unique experience that is going to happen to everybody. But it's unique for each person. And Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was the first person to kind of put a pattern to grieving. She was like, okay, everybody moves through these five stages. And it looks different for every single person. But these five stages are very important. And if you do not move through all five stages, you get stuck. And as someone who did that for a long time, I understand what it's like to be stuck in the grieving process. And you don't want to do that. So we're going to walk through what that looks like. Because when you practice body acceptance, there's a grieving that has to happen. Grieving of expectations that you had for your body. Grieving hopes and dreams that you had for your body. Maybe you always hoped that you could wear a swimsuit and feel good in it. That you could have a beach body. Which, P.S., you totally already have a beach body. Just swimsuit plus your body. On a beach equals beach body. But that's not what we have expectations of. The loss of time or money or energy that you've invested into your body. Maybe you've spent a lot of money on diets or on different workout programs or personal training, and you're still not happy with your body. Grieving that. Grieving the loss of those different investments in yourself. Grieving the loss of trust that you can have with your body. Grieving your identity. Oh, this is a big one. If you are one of the people that has been trying to change your body for so long, that becomes a part of your identity. You are a dieter. You are a chronic exerciser. You are one that is always looking to change your body or to keep it a certain way. And it becomes very much a part of who you are. And your brain has created shortcuts around that because that's been your mode of operating for so long. You've always told yourself, I'm not enough this is not acceptable. This has to be smaller. I have to be stronger. I have to be leaner. I have to be sexier. I have to be more toned in my body. I have to be healthier. And so you're striving, striving, striving. And that becomes a part of you. And when you think about switching that identity to one of a, of peace and of acceptance and of giving up this constant striving for goals and for certain markers that you want to hit when you give that up. Yikes. That's a big one. It's a part of your, it becomes a part of your identity and who you think you are, but it's a destructive part of your identity because it's not serving you. It's keeping you stuck in this cycle of needing to always be on top of it. Always on top of what you eat. Always on top of what you do for exercise, always on top of it. Even if you mess up, even if you fall off the wagon, you're always looking for a way to get back on. A lot of grieving around transgenerational stories about body. There's so much that I'm learning right now about transgenerational stressors, money stories, body stories, family stories, and trauma that gets passed down the line. And when we think about it, it makes a lot of sense and there's a lot to it, but your struggles, a lot of them that you have about your body are not your own. You were born confident, but you got handed your mother's struggles, maybe her mother's struggles and her mother's struggles with body image in one way or another. Maybe you didn't, maybe you did. And that's a part of grieving and letting that go. And it takes a lot of bravery to stop that cycle, to become aware of it, to learn more about it, and to decide not to pass that on and to change it. So even if you have passed it on already, it's not too late. What has been true for you in the past or up until now does not have to be true for you moving forward. You also need to grieve the current reality, accepting reality, accepting your body as it is right now. And girl, I hear you. That's hard. I get that. That's really hard. I have grieved a lot of these, a lot of these. i grieving the physical limitations that you may have, Maybe you're not as in shape as you want to be. Maybe you have an autoimmune disorder or an illness that prohibits you. Maybe you've got menopause going on, and you don't even know your body anymore. Maybe you're postpartum, and you feel like I don't, I don't know about this new body. Maybe you've got diastasis recti, and you're like, I don't know how to do this. Maybe you pee every time you laugh because your pelvic floor muscles are a little bit weaker. Whatever it is, whatever physical limitation, accepting and grieving that. And then there's the grief that is a big one, and that's grieving the fact that you've been lied to, that you've been sold a bill of goods, that you have been told that your body is not enough and it needs to be different, that your BMI is too high that your body weight is too high, your body fat percentage is too high. And the only caveat to that is if you are working in very close connection with a physician who is monitoring these numbers to keep you alive and to keep you healthy. But for the rest of of people that walk into a doctor's office and they say, well, your labs are fine, but you probably should still lose weight. Baloney. And that is something to be grieved. That's an injustice to you. If your biomarkers are fine and you're being told to lose weight, that's a form of fat phobia. And there's so much awareness of this going on right now. It's so exciting because we're beginning to rebel against this idea, these lies that we've been told that your body has to look a certain way and it has to fit into a certain size. And I want to reiterate that weight. Like if you step on a scale, weight is your numerical relationship to gravity. That is literally all it is. But yet, that becomes a day maker or breaker. That becomes an obsession. That becomes a habit that is so destructive. And it is the antithesis of body acceptance. And so I'm a huge proponent of getting rid of your scale. Uh, if not taking a sledgehammer to it. (laughs) And some people, for a lot of people, that's a really hard thing to think about, like getting rid of the scales. That's how I stay on track. That's how I know. That's how I stay present. That's how I stay aware. And maybe for you that is, but I find for a vast majority of women, that's not. That that's the lie that you've bought into, that you need a scale to keep you accountable. And you don't. And you've been told that. And you don't have to believe that. You get to choose and think for yourself, but there first has to be a grieving of all the lies that you believe. So what does it look like to move through the stages of grief? So Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, again, was the first person to come up with this. So this is not my brainchild. This is hers. But you can learn so much more about this by just Googling stages of grief. But I want to go through these with you. A lot of this I have pulled from the book Codependent No More, and it has been a fantastic book. I really am enjoying it, and they talk about the stages of grief, but of course I I feel like I've got a little bit more familiarity. I lost my mom when I was 19 to cancer, and I also lost my dad as he checked out um, and found out that... He had some mental issues that I wasn't aware of for 19 years of my life. And I lost my childhood home. I lost a lot of possession, a lot. So I'm very familiar with grief. And I do feel like these stages are very accurate. And you may go through different ones at different times. You can get stuck in a particular stage. You can regress, you can move forward. But I do know one thing that's for sure, and that is that the only way out is through. And that was said by Fritz Perls, who is the father of gestalt therapy, which basically says that anytime you're trying to process emotions and you get stuck or stopped, you will not be able to move through. And you have to have a space where you have uninterrupted grieving uninterrupted processing. And this is why finding safe people to process with is so important. And if you are grieving bigger things, make sure you're reaching out for help, whether that's to a counselor, a therapist, a coach. This is a lot of what I do is work with body acceptance with women and walking through this grieving process with them. And it's such a beautiful privilege and honor to be able to work with incredible women who are doing this brave work. So, five stages of grief. The first one is denial. And this one has a lot of anxiety and fear wrapped in it. And it's a conscious or unconscious defense that's used to avoid or reduce or prevent anxiety when we're threatened. We use it to shut out awareness. Again, we talked about detachment from your body. Denial works in a very similar way, it has language like, no, this can't be, or it's not a big deal, or I don't care. And it's like a mental distancing or avoiding denial. Denial that there's not a problem. So when we're looking at this from a body acceptance perspective, denying, well, I can't can't accept it, or, well, you know, I mean, it's not really a big deal to me how my body looks, like I don't really care about my body, and really uncovering, okay, well, what is true? Because once you kind of raise awareness and you step out of denial, you step into some intense feelings. Like I said, when you reconnect with your body, feelings can come up for you. And then you kind of move into stage number two, which is anger. And anger is often the mask of fear and sadness. And it's also the anger of blaming, looking to blame. Well, it's not my fault. Or blaming yourself. It is my fault. Or it's the culture's fault. Or it's so-and-so's fault. Or it's this person's fault. It's my trainer's fault. It's my therapist's fault. And looking to assign blame, because that can give us an outlet to be on the spectrum of anger, right? Anger is a spectrum. You can be peeved or irritated. You can be kind of a little bit angry, or you could be really angry. You could be furious. And then there's like rage. And you can fall anywhere on the spectrum, depending on the... Size of the loss that you're grieving. So, if it's a smaller loss, maybe you're just peeved about something and you move through. But if it's something bigger, something that's really important to you, you could end up on the angrier side. And so, being really gentle with yourself as these feelings come up for you and knowing that anger is often fear or sadness. So, what are you afraid of? What are you sad about? And letting those uncomfortable feelings take up some space. Oftentimes we think, well, if I, first of all, I I think anger is blah, 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 whatever belief you have about anger. Maybe for you, it's that anger is a sin or that you shouldn't be angry or that angry people are scary or that if you get angry, people are going to leave you or you're going to hurt somebody's feelings or... Whatever anger was modeled for you growing up, that's a lot of times what your response to anger is. And anger is scary because it can escalate so quickly. But just being present with yourself and giving yourself, you could even set a timer. Okay, I'm going to let myself experience this anger for two minutes and then I'm done. And then I'm going to calm myself down using breathing or Using some grounding techniques, like I'm going to give myself this amount of time to be angry. You can do things like writing letters that you don't intend to send, especially if there is somebody in particular that you want to blame for your body struggle, writing them a letter. And then the really cathartic thing to do, light that sucker on fire and watch it burn. Getting that energy out of your body. Being active, get outside. Maybe engage in a really good conversation with a trusted person. Listen to music, light a candle, use your senses. Maybe you need to yell, maybe you need to scream, maybe you need to cry. However your anger needs to express itself. Allow yourself to do that without judgment. And without trying to minimize it. Remember, the only way out is through. So experiencing that. Then you move into stage number three, which is bargaining or negotiating. This is a tricky one because you're attempting to postpone the inevitable, right? And it often sounds like if, then. If I do this, then this is what I'm hoping to get from it. If I just diet one more time, then I'll be able to really enjoy my body. If I just control it a little bit more, if I just have enough discipline, if I just have enough willpower, then letting go of those, recognizing them for what they are, and getting really familiar with bargaining language, if then. And then as you move through the bargaining stage or negotiating, you realize, ah. I just have to give it up. I need to surrender that. There can be a little bit of what's called the depression stage or the sadness. And this is really like the essence of grieving right here is number four. It's this humble surrender of bargaining, humble surrender of your expectations that you had, humble surrender of the identity that you've attached to your body and how your purpose has become connected to what you look like. And it's allowing yourself to feel the sadness of that. The sadness. Maybe you grieve that you will never have a certain body type. Letting go of the expectations that you have and feeling sad about that. It's okay to feel sad. There's a Daniel Tiger song that we still sing to Lewis sometimes. And it goes something like, It's okay to feel sad sometimes. Little by little, you'll feel better again. Because you will think We think that if we start to feel sad, we'll never stop. And that's a big fear that also causes the disconnect between you and your body is that if I get sad, I'm never going to stop. You will. You will. And having trusted people that you're talking to, again, support is critical in this process. If you're trying to do this on your own, it's hard. I would say it's almost impossible to do this work by yourself. You've got to have someone that's at least two steps ahead, somebody that has walked this road before and come out on the other side. The depression can feel long, and this is where a lot of people get stuck, is either in denial or depression. And by moving through that depression, you then get to acceptance, which is stage number five, which is what we're talking about. And it's a peace with what is. A peace with what is. Ending the striving. A place of neutrality for your body. Can you imagine? Think about for a second all of the time and the energy and the emotion that you put into your body, whether that's deciding what to eat, how to dress, how to exercise, how, like criticizing what you see, comparing. Take all that energy and imagine if you could direct and allot all that energy to feeling at peace. (sighs) Not even accepting. Like, we'll just, we'll put that, we'll take that off the table for today. We're just talking about, or excuse me, appreciating, but just accepting. What if you could funnel all that energy into accepting and getting comfortable with your body? being free, free from the expectations that you had, free from the blame that you were placing, free from the striving and free from the cycle of getting on this hamster wheel of try, fail, try, fail, try, fail, which brings guilt and shame. What if you didn't have guilt about your body? What if you didn't have shame about how you looked? What if you were able to grieve the trauma that's happened to you? And the stories that you've carried and the identity that you've claimed, what if you could let go of that and start to embrace yourself as a a person that just accepts their body and gets comfortable in their own skin? There is nothing more attractive than a woman who is comfortable in her own skin. Mm -hmm. No matter what her body type or body size, you know when you're in a room with someone that's comfortable in their skin. It's magnetic. It's attractive. It's contagious. We want it. What if that could be you? What if you could stop running or ducking or controlling or hiding? Be free and be comfortable being you. What if you could move through and come out the other side? And as you do, as you think about this process, and maybe you're already in it, maybe you're halfway through, maybe you're stuck at a certain stage, maybe you're contemplating this idea but you're not really sure, I have a couple of suggestions. The first is to be really, really kind to yourself and really gentle. You're doing hard work. This is not light stuff. This is life-changing stuff, and anything that's life-changing is a big deal. Be gentle with yourself. Take care of yourself. Brush your teeth, floss, brush your hair, wash your face. Give yourself a foot rub. Take a bath if you want to. Practice kindness to yourself. Practice neutrality when you see a reflection of your image or if you see yourself in a picture. Be kind. Be gentle. Talk to safe people. This is super important. Finding support and a good community of people that are what my friend Kathleen calls them heart holders. And I feel like these people are people that can hold space for you and not try to fix you or change it. But the people that just say, yeah, wow, that's a lot of work. Good for you. How are you feeling? What do you need? Those kinds of questions, not the ones that are like, oh, well, can't you just or try to fix it? Because sometimes when you're sitting on un- uncomfortable emotions, other people don't want to be uncomfortable because it, it triggers their own unresolved stuff. And so you're looking for people that can sit with you in that. Finding supportive communities. I've created on Facebook a very supportive community of people, of women specifically, who are on this journey and of who are supporting of one another. And if you post in the group, you can get support or you can ask questions or you can be seen and talk about struggles and triumphs. And it's just a beautiful space. So if you want to be in on that, it's free. Captivatingly Confident Community on Facebook. I love interacting with people in that group. It's such a beautiful place. Get help. Get professional help. If you've been stuck for a long time or if you feel like, oh my gosh, I couldn't even begin this process or I don't know where to start. Get some help. If you want to, reach out to me, Kim at captivatinglyconfident.com. I help women with this. And if I feel like there is someone that is better equipped to meet your needs, or if there's a different modality that would work better for you, let's talk about that and figure out what your next best step is. Because having help is crucial. If you are ready to start this process or halfway through it or somewhere in it, then I encourage you to consider the reveal retreat that I'm hosting. I'm hosting this beautiful event in Nashville, Tennessee, February 28th through March 1st. I've teamed up with three other incredible women. Oh my gosh, they are powerhouse women who have all had experience with this, personal experience, and are on the other side of it. And can walk with you and help give you insight and create that safe space for you to reveal and heal. And that is the the goal of this weekend is to practice self-love and body acceptance. And we're going to walk you through this process and you're going to be so supported and it's going to be beautiful. It's such an incredible event. We have four spaces left. You can go to revealretreat.com for more information. If you are really wanting to go, but you feel like, I don't know if I can afford it. I don't know how to talk to my husband about it. I don't know how to get support to go. I don't know if I can, whatever obstacle you're coming up against, make sure you reach out. Because we want to work with you and we want you to be there. If you feel called to go, then let's make it happen. You can also email hello at revealretreats.com as another way to reach out. But get the support that you need. And what I love about retreats and events and weekends like this is that you can speed up the process because that's all we're going to be doing is just focusing on not only this, but there's going to be fun stuff too. I realize that this is really heavy. <laughs> the weekend will have lots of heavy stuff, but I will also have lots of fun. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to dance. We're going to drink if you want to. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of fun. And it's going to be incredible and life changing. So revealretreats.com for that. Don't isolate, please, 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 please. Don't feel like you're alone. You're not. If you were alone, I wouldn't be talking about this. If this wasn't a gigantic issue, I wouldn't be addressing it. This is an important topic. It is something that 85% of women face. In 2016, this is one of my... Favorite studies right now. 2016, Dove, the, the body wash company, launched this global report on body imaging and confidence. And they interviewed over 10,000 women across 13 different countries. And they wanted to find out where women were landing, and girls too, by the way, with their bodies. And they found shockingly that 85% of women opt out of important life activities because of how they feel about their body. 85%. Friends, that is way too high. That's way too high. It is unacceptable. And 79% of girls are opting out too. They're watching us. They're watching us as women opt out. They're watching us struggle. They're watching us and they're following in our footsteps. Friends, it has to stop. It has to stop and it starts with us. It starts with you. So what is that going to look like for you to step into body acceptance? Imagine what your life could be like if you were free of the struggle. You let go of the expectations that you have for your body. And to start living your life right now how you want to on your terms, not someone else's. To rock the beach body that you have, because you already have one, to wear the clothes that you want to wear, to look in the mirror and be proud of what and who you see. Friend, I believe that it's possible for you. I know it is. So may you go forth this week feeling empowered, feeling strengthened in your resolve to stop hiding, to stop running or ducking, or controlling. May you find the strength to release your expectations and to start being you bravely. You're amazing. I'm so proud of you. You can do it. I'll see you next week. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Captivatingly Confident. I am so excited that you're here and investing in yourself. If you want to learn more about Captivatingly Confident, you can visit my website, CaptivatinglyConfident.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at kim.ludiman. Thank you so much for hanging out today. If you would like to, I invite you to subscribe to the show and also to leave a rating and review on iTunes every single review means so so much to me and it helps to get the word about captivatingly confident out and to help change women's lives i'll see you next time